Welcome to another week of Good Movie Monday. It's very good to be with you for another outrageous episode. <laughs> I'm Glenn Cochran, the guy behind mic number one, and across from me on mic number two is Ben Halloween. Good day to you, sir. Good day. <laughs> good day. I said good day. <laughs> I reckon, Ben, that this is going to be the week that you've been waiting for, because there's no restrictions on the amount of shunting talk. On this episode, you, you know, we all know you love a good shunt and you love to talk about shunting. I enjoy shunting as much as I enjoy being shunted. <laughs> well, as much shunting as your heart desires on this particular show, mate. Shunt me in the morning. Now, our listeners that know what shunting means, uh, in cinematic terms, that is, um, then the music that is playing right now might be conjuring some very disturbing uh, images in their mind. <laughs> It's the theme music from 1989's Society, which is like that fantastic horror movie, which not only marked, I guess, the directorial debut of the legendary horror maestro, Brian Yuzna, but it also, yes, introduced the world to shunting. And it also explains why both of us are greased up <laughs> while recording shunt. this. <laughs> well, I guess for, for people that, um, that don't know what shunting is, would you like to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> Well, a shunting is a special ceremony <laughs> when a young uh, boy or girl come of age and then, uh, like, a, you know, of, of a particular species <laughs> that have always been on Earth mm. uh, and uh, they, they kind of, they merge in like a sexual frenzy. Yeah, it's a, it's a body morph They're orgy. body morph, yeah. Um, and boy, do we have a treat for everybody because the creator of the shunt, Brian Yuzna, is uh, is going to be talking to us a little bit later on. And you know, it's funny. Like I, we didn't, we didn't, we did, we do talk when we talk to Brian. We do talk about something like Deadly Night Four a little bit. But like I don't know how long ago it was since you've seen it. But there's a bit of shunting in it. Like she, like her hands fuses. go all funny and fuses, and then she like she shoves them into Maud Adams and stuff. Like there's some. Like it's a, th I like, and in Dagon, even though he only produced it, but when they're all kind of turning into the, f into the weird fish men, mm -hmm. like there's like, he's like, you know, people always talk about Cronenberg being the, the, the master of body horror, but fucking Yasna gives him a run for his money, I reckon. It certainly does. And there's a very perverted element to what he does, <coughs> but uh, for, pe for people that don't know what we're talking about, cause let's face it, like, you know, we're, we're talking in a very nerdy, get out. <laughs> we're talking in a very nerdy realm right now. Get out. Um, you don't know the shunting is, get out. <laughs> but this guy, Brian Yuzna, not only gave us this film society that we're talking about, but he's the man behind movies like Reanimator, From Beyond, Dolls, The Dentist 1 and 2, Dagon, Faust for Love of the Damned, Necronomicon, Crying Freeman, I could go on, but most importantly, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> the diamond in the rough. I mean, but he's, he's, he's 100% correct, and he does say this in the interview, that change the music, change the ending, 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, it would be a phenomenal horror film. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about it. But uh, that list of films is just scratching the surface. So I'm um, excited about that. Stick around because it is a fantastic conversation. Uh, and the reason that we're doing this episode and doing the whole society thing is because this Saturday night, the Melbourne Horror Film Society are screening the film, uh, True North in Coburg. And because um, our newest member to the team, Melzy Begg, comes from the Melbourne Horror Film Society, we thought we'd give them a leg up and uh, get this bloke on our show to, to give that uh, give that screening a bit of a plug. Never mind that we just really wanted to talk to him. Oh, absolutely. I've been trying to land this guy for a long time. Like I, I've, got, I've probably got records there of emails I've sent many a time that uh, he responds to once and never follows yeah. up on. So I was... He's the whale and you are Ahab. <laughs> I was completely like stoked when he came back and said, absolutely, let's do it. And then I'm like, oh, do I lock this in for a show? Because I don't know if he's going to deliver. He delivered. He delivered. He did. Boy, did he deliver. <laughs> That's right. Ben and I also have two recommendations coming up for you. We are talking about secret society movies in general. So looking forward to that. But first, let it be known that in addition to today's show being available on all streaming platforms. You can also find bonus video content on our social media pages. So look out for Good Movie Monday on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Make sure you click that subscribe and follow tab because um, you know the more people that are on board, the the further we can pitch the show to people and maybe leave a review. That'd be nice. Even if not a review, comment. Comment like interact. That's how the the algorithms work these days. You got to comment. You got to save things. You got to I don't know. Send us naked pictures of yourself. We well, um, no, don't. Please do not do that. We put a lot of effort and do endeavor to like you know build this show up. And the more people that actually interact with us on social media, believe me, it makes a difference. So if you could do that, uh, if TikTok is your jam, uh, find us there too because we have a, like we have a shit ton of stuff on there. Like that bloody platform is a weird one, but we're on it prolifically. Um, and you love it. I, I look. I love being on there because I like short snippets. If you want funny moments from this show, there's fucking hundreds of them. And because you're a 13 year old girl, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you like being on it. You just don't. You're not on it though. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> your presence. I'm is, on it. Your presence is all over that fucking thing. I'm on it. I'm just not on it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but eventually, I will gather up the courage to start doing some dance videos. It's inevitable. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm just like planning. Like I've got a bank of material. <laughs> Excellent. I've got like 50 <laughs> dance videos. In TikTok terms, we call them drafts. Drafts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for the, because it takes me so long to do them. Yeah. That by the time I've nailed it, the trend is over. So like, I'm just waiting for like the Macarena to come back. <laughs> and then, you know, I highly recommend everybody, gang them style. everybody, once this show finishes, head over to TikTok right away because there is a, a, a video that was uploaded within the last few days where Chloe tells a story of her shitting herself. Oh, lovely. Only last week. <laughs> I'm in for that. <laughs> yes. She calls me Benjamin Boobs and I appreciate that. Well, now you've got something to work with to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Call there's something back. Uh, also coming up on today's show, we've got Guillermo Troncoso from the online entertainment magazine Screen Realm. He's going to present this week's movie news. And a bit later, the three guys from Bonehead Weekly uh, in Kentucky are going to take a run at today's theme as well. Uh, the Boneheads are Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas. And then there's this guy, Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures, who has you covered for pretty much everything that's coming out on 4K, Blu-ray, and even DVD. And it's a doozy. It's a doozy of an episode this week. 
Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now I'm gonna start this week's segment with some very exciting news. It's imprints releases for July and I've gotta say, this could be their best month of the year thus far. And that's saying something, as 2022 has shaped up to be imprints best year of releases thus far. First up, they've got the Jim Sheridan box set. This collects four of Jim Sheridan's Irish films in the one set, three of which star Daniel Day-Lewis in very memorable roles. Those films include My Left Foot, In the Name of the Father, and The Boxer. The fourth film in the set is The Field. Then the next release is going to make Ben Helwig very happy. It's a film he recommended to me some years ago and I absolutely loved. So this one's making its global Blu-ray debut and the movie is The Music of Chance starring James Spader and Mandy Patinkin. Also out from imprint in July is Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead starring Andy Garcia. I remember seeing this one of the movies in 95 or 96. I can't recall the year. It was a long time ago. Don't ask me how old I am, but the movie is fantastic and I can't wait to upgrade to Blu-ray. Also coming out, Ken Russell's Whore, Nobody's Fool with Paul Newman and finally The Beast. Now it seems to make sense for me to move on to this week's releases and start with imprint. And what a month for imprint. I mean, my heart is happy and my wallet is fucking fuming. The first release of which is The Wicker Man. It's a four disc set. Then it contains three Blu-rays and one CD. It's got all the cuts of the film. That's the theatrical, director's, and final cut. It's got loads of archival special features and all new special features. And that fourth disc, which is a CD, it's the CD soundtrack of the movie. Then other releases from Imprint this week include Across 110th Street, The Counterfeit Trader, The Brotherhood, The Don Is Dead, and finally, The Extraordinary Cutter's Way. Now, moving on to Disney's releases for this week. First up, they've got Turning Red. It's coming out on all the formats, 4K, Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and DVD. And I'm pleased to report that Disney have opted to include the Blu-ray with their 4K in this release, which means you get all the special features that include an audio commentary, multiple deleted scenes, and even more featurettes. Now, the 4K Ultra HD does have Dolby Atmos, which is great news. The other releases coming out from Disney this week... Ah, oh, well... It's, it's Disney pumping out those Star Wars films in multi-packs. You're going to have episodes 1 to 3 bundled together, episodes 4 to 6 bundled together, and finally 7 to 9 bundled together. However, they're coming out in DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K Ultra HD. Now, the 4K Ultra HD set does drop the Blu-rays, which means you don't get any of the special features. But, I mean, if you haven't bought them individually by this point in time, if, are you really ever going to buy them? If not, just stream them. They're on Disney+. Plus. And until they decide to release the original cuts of episodes four to six, I'm not rebuying any of these fucking things ever again. I don't care if there's any new bells and whistles. We just want the original cuts. Make it happen, Disney. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. Turning red, like, fucking hell. Everyone I know loved that movie. I fucking hated it. Turning red. Yeah, that new Pixar abomination oh my nieces loved it really loved it everyone has and like i don't understand why i didn't like i just it rubbed me the wrong way you're an incredibly odd 13 year old girl <laughs> that's right but i probably will snap up that donnie's dead um blu-ray that jared was talking about with the imprint titles i can't fucking wait for music of chance <laughs> like i like there's never before have i watched a movie that makes me want to learn how to play professional poker and learn how to build a wall <laughs> Well, I mean, and that movie, and live in a cabin with uh, with M. Emmett Walsh, like. <laughs> well, yeah, it's everyone's uh, everyone's dream, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> certainly, it's certainly this guy. I've um look, I've been waiting for this episode for a long time because we're about to do some recommendations now, and we're talking about secret society stories in movies. And uh, yeah, I'll you, tell you just what. wanted to talk about the skulls forever. <laughs> skulls three, it's been skulls, on my mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but man, any you know this, everyone that's listening knows this. Any opportunity to talk about an Albert Pune movie, I am on board. And today's the perfect excuse. So let me take you back. 1986. Albert's third film. Hang on, set the scene. Who's president of the United States? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, this is Albert's... Reagan is president. Albert's third film. He'd already done The Sword and the Sorcerer and Radioactive Dreams. uh, And at this point, he was something of a golden boy in sort of the independent film world. Um, Sword and the Sorcerer had become the highest grossing independent film of all time. And it held on to that, that tag for a long time. 20 years, I think. Um, but then Radioactive Dreams bombed. Good movie, but it bombed. But he was still kind of like that guy. They'd give him what he wants because he delivered a, he delivered a movie that earned 10 times the budget. So why wouldn't you? Um, I'm talking about Dangerously Close. Have you seen Dangerously Close? No, I haven't. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I can see it over there behind you. <laughs> uh, and I looked at the... Oh, hang on. Hang on, tell me what Dangerously Close is about and I'll tell you if I've seen okay, it. Okay, so it's about a secret society at a high school and they're called the Sentinels. I have seen this movie, yes. yes. And it's a Californian high school and these Sentinels are sort of a, a, a cult of um, elite, privileged white kids uh, and they take it upon themselves to rid the school of its undesirables. So hmm. it might be ethnics, it might be poor people. Like I would say it's exactly like Karate Kid 3 except <laughs> instead of... like. Yeah, you know, they're trying to they're trying to improve the school. Yeah. Whereas the Karate Kid three guys are just like Michael Ironside's <laughs> personal army. That's right. No, that's number four. Is that four? That's number four. Yeah, yeah. sorry, it's not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, so these no, it's the one with yeah, the one with the girl. Yeah, yeah. four. Yeah, four. The one with um, Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. Um so the thing is with the Sentinels though, is they they are intimidating these people. Like so they will uh, chase them down and threaten death. Do fake lynchings, do fake executions, but they never they take it. They hunt them with. They hunt them, but they never take it over that point of you know killing someone, right? Although the opening scene, you feel like they've just killed someone, and they, then it's then it's oh no, they haven't. They cut him down, right? Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, then suddenly, their victims that they have let go do start dying, like the next mm. day or hours later, and so it's apparent that somebody in the um in the organization is killing them. And then it yeah. becomes a bit of a whodunit. And and it is, yeah, it's a glorious film. And the interesting thing about this one is that it's kind of predictable. Like you watch it and you know exactly where it's going. Uh, there is one twist towards the end that really pisses me off, but I, I'm going to let people track this down and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say something? No, no look, I, I, I can't remember the twist that you're talking okay. about, but I do remember, think, I th- remember thinking that a twist was that I could have sworn... At the start of the film, when um, when uh, the main guy goes to visit the guy from uh, My Science Project's yep. house, mm-hmm. I could have sworn that that uh, what's her name, Carrie Carrie Lowell, from the girl from uh, she's the girl she's the she's the <laughs> girlfriend of the main of the main kind of antagonist. Yeah, I, I, I don't know her name. Um, she's from uh, <laughs> that that Bond film with Robert Darby and. What's that one? You only live. <laughs> that's a living daylight. No, living so, sorry, it's license to kill. Yeah, that one. Yeah, she's a, she's a bong- She was married okay, to Richard Gere. You for know years. this. I don't. Like you're talking to me like I should, but I don't. I just can't believe you d- you've never heard of it. Like she was married to Richard Gere. It was a big thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's just not acceptable. 
you, it's like you didn't read TV Week every week. Carry on with my recommendation, week. by the way. <laughs> but she, I thought that they were brother and sister. Because right. when he comes around for dinner and she's there at the table, they are brother and sister. Oh no, they, they yeah, no, you're right. They, no. they and then it comes out letting you go. Oh, his girlfriend because because he, he make he. Your your recall of this film is amazing, considering we started off with you weren't sure if you'd seen it, right? Yeah, but you're right it's because she the first her entrance she comes in from the swimming pool. Yeah, um, they talk like brother and sister. She says, "I'm going upstairs to get changed." He says, "I'll see you at dinner," right? Yeah, and then later on he goes, "Oh, you know, your girlfriend doesn't mind." That's confusing. <laughs> yeah, like it's weird. But this is the thing about the film is that it is a very it's an exercise in style over substance. In fact, um, Roger Ebert's review of this it's pretty critical, but it does say this is a guy that knows how to point a camera. It's a lot of style. It looks fantastic. It's like a music video in film form, but it's gaping with holes and you know yeah. things that you can tear it apart with. And and yeah, I agree with that, but I kind of like movies that are very, very stylish and it doesn't matter to me if the rest of it's a bit flimsy. But some interesting things about this one, Albert Pune back in that point in his career always had um, like a stable of actors that would come along with him. We've always talked about um, Norbert Weiser and Scott Pullen, but he also had uh, John Stockwell. And John Stockwell is the lead actor in this one. He was in Radioactive Dreams. Um, he went on to become a Hollywood director. He made Blue Crush and Dark Tide and Kickbox of Vengeance and films like that. But there's also Tom Matthews, who I know you you know from Return of the Living Dead and various other things, but he has been in many Albert Pune films, Down Twisted, Alien from LA, uh, Blood Match, Nemesis, Kickbox of Four, Mean Guns, blah, blah, blah. But here's the exciting thing for me, Ben. We know my penchant for dodgy number two sequels. We certainly do. Yes. Well, one of the Sentinels, in fact, the lead asshole of the Sentinels is played by Don Michael Paul, who is the king of number two DTV movies. <laughs> He's a director that made uh, Jarhead 2, Sniper 5 and 6, Kindergarten Cop 2, Tremors 5, 6 and 7, and Bulletproof 2. Like, what a legend. <laughs> He's just done so much gold. And back in the day, he even directed that Half Past Dead movie. Was that Steven Seagal? Steven Seagal yeah, one. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm glad he went on to number two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you start with Half Past Dead, you, you know, there's a good chance you might have a really good career out of that. But he went down the number two road. But that's okay. That's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Does the plot of this film sound familiar, though? Because it, there was another film at the same time called Brotherhood of Justice with Keanu Reeves and Keith Sutherland and Laurie Loughlin and Billy Zane. It's exactly the same story. Yeah, right. Exactly the same. But that one was made for TV. It's a tally movie based on the same true story of this high school um, fraternity. Um, But that was TV. Albert's was theatrical. And so this one kind of got a bit more, uh, landed a bit more with the audience. And um, the other one only found its audience later when they became famous and... I have to say the thing that is the, the the thing that I found the most unbelievable about this film. Yep, is that these teens care about the school. Like that's the <laughs> that's the the main thrust of the thing is that they are like I and they're they're in high school, so they it's not even college. No, it's high school. I don't even know if it's that they love their high school so much as it is they love their privilege. Yeah, and like if they're going to high school, they don't want bad elements there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is mainly rich kids yeah. beating up poor kids. Like, there's yeah, no. Yeah, that's it. That's the yeah. premise. That's the whole premise. Um, the soundtrack of this is grouse. It's got fine young cannibals and Robert Palmer. Like, they they didn't you know, spare any expenses mm. when it came to the music. Half a dozen songs songs by the Smithereens, who are a really cool band too. And they do really treat um, the what's his name, um, J. Eddie Peck, mm. the Danny character, like yeah. shit. Even though he is he is clearly like the right element that yeah. they say that they're. Yep. 
but he's also the guy who cleans their pool. That's right. And that's exactly why it is because he's he's a bit scummy. Like yeah. he's got this allure of privilege, like because he kind of dresses nicely. He's got attitude that they want. He's softly spoken. He's but articulate. He makes the mistake too when they say, "Come around to my house. Do you know where it is?" And he goes, "I clean your pool. Of course, yeah. I know where it is." And that's kind of where they start to turn on him because of that. Yeah. Anyway, so dangerously close. If you've never seen it, if it sounds good to you. Go and watch it. Check it out. Yep. And there is a great um, American Blu-ray of it, which I've got. It's bare bones, but the film looks mint. Your turn. Uh, <laughs> me now? Your, your turn. I'm going to talk about Dangerously Close. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Go, go from another angle. <clears throat> from another angle. This movie is about Carrie Lowell. Have you heard of... <laughs> do you know who she is? is Mrs. Richard Gere. After he broke up with Cindy Crawford, after all the hamster... All right. The hamster gate stuff... <laughs> She was the one that stepped in and became his beard. Oh, excellent. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually going to talk about something a bit more recent. Ooh. Uh, something from the year. So let's go back. <laughs> Who was president? <laughs> Donald J. Trump. <laughs> oh, excellent. Was president. And was he one of the Sentinels? And, well, <laughs> to a degree. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the movie I'm talking about is sometimes known as Duncan, if you search for it on IMDb. Duncan? For an odd, odd okay. reason. Yep. But the movie's actually The Pizzagate Massacre. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen this, but I know what you're talking about because you did show me, I think, a clip. I, I sent you the, the and the, the poster is one yeah. of the greatest movie posters of all time. <laughs> and it is, look, this is based on the, the Pizzagate, the Pizzagate um, conspiracy theory that has since been debunked. It's one that you wouldn't have thought needed to be debunked. <laughs> like, um, it just sounds like a lot of stoned people were watching the well, V miniseries. Do you know what world we're living in and what people yeah. believe these days? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so this, well, this, this conspiracy theory was out in 2016. And basically, there was some, some like, right-wing hackers had, had intercepted some Hillary Clinton uh, emails. Yep. And they were convinced that they were coded, like democratic, like liberal elite yeah. uh, messages where they were talking about. Are these the baby eaters? Uh, well, they're child sex traffickers yep. who are also uh, lizards in disguise. They're lizard men. <laughs> yes, it's a subterranean, like a subterranean race of lizard lizard men in human skin who traffic in in children. Yeah, and they're doing it out of a basement of this pizza chain. In Texas. <laughs> the Comet Ping Pong. The Comet Ping Pong. Uh, Pizzeria. Funny well, ping pong not, sorry, not in Texas, in Washington. And it, it, to the point, like people took it seriously enough that one guy actually went down there with a, like a bazooka to kind of save, the, to save the kids. Yep. Because, you know, he just couldn't stand that this thing was real. But this, so this movie is, this movie uh, stars this, it's this, there's a I can't even remember the guy's name, but like she's like a a right wing commentator on a cable. I'm assuming it's like a cable access type TV show. Yeah. It's not Fox. Is but she it's... like a, a female Alex Jones or yeah yeah okay. yeah? Um, and her name's like Terry Lee, and she just spouts all of this yeah. right wing sure. kind of stuff. And she's got there's a there's this girl working on uh, is one of her staff who who screws up in a. Uh, during a broadcast and gets fired. Right. But so to kind of get her job back, she decides that she's going to go undercover to this and investigate this <laughs> uh, Pizzagate uh, thing. And yep. she needs she needs some help. She needs someone to watch her back. So she goes 
and finds this right-wing militia <laughs> in the town and finds the, the most cracker-lackey of them all, <laughs> uh, this guy whose name is Duncan, who's played by this guy. His name, he's got a really weird name. Tynus Sue. Mm. S-E-A-U-X. I'm more interested in the first name. Yeah, Tynus? Tinus. Oh, Tinus? Uh, who, in the movie, he's actually secretly the son of David Koresh. <laughs> Is that a spoiler? That's not, well, they, <laughs> it comes out pretty early in the film, but it's such a weird, yeah. a weird bit. But basically, so they both jump in his van mm. and travel down to, in, in, in this, this case, it, the pizzeria is in Texas, where they, they plan to uh, fake apply for jobs because the pizza place is hiring. And so, then, so they can go and investigate whether there's a child ring, Fucking child hell. sex ring run by lizard men. <laughs> and um, the girl is going to film it all so she can feed the, the tape to Terry Lee and somehow get her job back. Yeah, right. And like, but <laughs> it's so... Weird. It's so fucking weird, but the but uh, the tennis so is so good, so believable. It has a great scene at the start of the film where they're um he's playing with all the other militia. They're like they're doing paintball, yep. and he he fakes them all out. Like he he's on the opposing team, and they've wiped out everyone. He's the only one left, right? And they kind of they come up against who they think is him crouch behind this tree and uh, they all shoot him away and like he he doesn't move you just hear this, oh, oh, oh. and when they take the take his jacket off they realize it's one of their own team team members who's been tied up and stuck in that position yeah and then and he's like one of them and he just shoot kills them all and, like including shooting the leader in the head with like fucking hell <laughs> what it's this great scene it's this it, it is like it's a very entertaining movie and he is great yeah the only downside of the film is that when they go to the pizza place, and I get much like in real life, yep. it's all doesn't happen on camera. They go in, and almost instantly they're out again. Yeah, and of course, there's nothing there. They find nothing in the picture, and then it kind of goes on from there. The guy on the run from the authorities because the guy, the pizza, the the guy who who works at the pizzeria has in fact been killed. <laughs> Fucking uh, hell! But it's this, <laughs> it's just like a totally bizarre road trip kind of thing, and. This guy is so delusional. Like he's got, um, he's got uh, southern, the southern flag, the Confederate flag yeah. license uh, license plates. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the 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 woman that he's teamed up with, I can't remember. It's Alexandra Payne is the actress. I can't mm. remember her character's name. She's black. Yeah, right. And she when she noticed him, she's like, "What?" And he's like, "No, it's not racist. It's just a." And she's like, "No, it's totally racist." He's like, <laughs> "I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. Like I'm." Just because I'm from the south, and then when he turns the car and on, Dixie chicks play. Yeah, but then he's he's like, she's like, well, you got to take it off. He's like, well, I can't take it off. We're supposed to be undercover. Like, if I take that one off, can't you just swap it out for the one in the front? The one, they came in a matching pair. Like, he's just, <laughs> like but he's like, he's truly con- conflicted about it, it. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, very entertaining. I don't know where you can see it. It's. It would be. If it's not on YouTube, I'd be very surprised. I mean, if you have any desire to watch this in the first place after hearing Ben talk about it, you're going to be the type of person that will find it. We'll find it. That's right. <laughs> but that's the Pizzagate Massacre, written and directed by John Valley, who also plays one of the main characters in it, okay. who's hilarious. How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here from ScreenRealm.com, as always. Um, movie stuff. And...
Yeah, I've survived the uh, fire evacuation in my building. I'm okay. I wasn't scared at all. Not even for one second. How's it going, everybody? ScreenRealm.com news, as always. Here to tell you a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week. Kicking off with a Minecraft movie on the way with Jason Momoa in the lead. That's right, Jason Momoa is squaring up to star in a Minecraft movie for Warner Brothers. The studio has been attempting to get a Minecraft film off the ground for a number of years now, but it looks like the pieces are finally coming together. Momoa is reportedly in final negotiations to take on the lead role, although there's no info on what the part will entail. There's also no details to go on regarding the film's plot or creative direction, apart from it being a live action film. On board to direct is Jared Hess, whose credits include comedies Napoleon Dynamite, National Libre and Masterminds. The script is coming from Chris Bowman and Hubble Palmer, who penned Hess's Masterminds comedy. Stay tuned as that one comes together. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are set to reunite for a film looking at how former Nike executive Sonny Vaccaro got Michael Jordan to sign with the company. The Goodwill Hunting Oscar winners will both star in the film, produce and work on the screenplay, with Affleck at the helm as director. The still untitled project comes from Amazon Studios and Skydance Sport, both of which are reportedly in the last stages of finalizing the deal. The film will have Damon playing Sonny Vaccaro and will focus on his determined journey to get rising basketball player Michael Jordan to sign with Nike in the 80s. Nike was at that time a third place shoe company and signing Jordan to the brand was deemed unlikely. Nevertheless, Vaccaro persevered, embarking on a path that would take him to Jordan's parents. It was pivotal to convince Jordan's mother in particular. Jordan's friends, coaches and advisors. Jordan ended up signing, helping Nike become a billion dollar global juggernaut and Affleck will be playing Nike co-founder Phil Knight. Cameras have officially started rolling on the next Fast and the Furious film, the 10th in the franchise and the title has been unveiled. Get ready for Fast X. That's right, Fast X, i.e. Fast 10. Diesel and his regular co-stars will of course be back, but among the new faces, Brie Larson and Jason Momoa, the film is scheduled to hit cinemas May 2023. And we reviewed Viking Revenge epic The Northman, which I absolutely loved. And thank goodness our writer Hagen Osborne also liked it as well. He gave it 4 out of 5 stars, writing that director Robert Eggers' uncanny touch embellishes the film with a fantastical quality that never derails the drama, creating a fevered gut punch of a film that speaks to the themes of masculinity, connection and kismet. 4 out of 5 stars. Go check out the full review at ScreenRealm.com. Thanks a lot for having me, everybody. As always, all your latest trailers, movie news, and streaming schedules as well. Head to the website. Thanks so much for having me, everybody. Catch you next week.
That was uh, that was one of those Smithereen songs I was talking about a moment ago. Strangers when we meet from Dangerously Close. I didn't know what you were doing, so I didn't pick a song from your soundtrack. I'm sorry. <laughs> does, I, does Pizzagate have a soundtrack? No. Oh. My next film, I asked for that song, and you said that it wasn't the kind of song <laughs> to go out with. <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. Well, this is the Midway song that we're talking well, about. Yeah, but, yeah. The Midway song. Well, you weren't gonna. You're gonna. Play, you're always gonna play your song with the Midway song. You. You asked me to pick the closing song. Well, as a special treat for everybody, if they listen through the closing song, they might get your closing closing song. Yeah. <laughs> Which you have to rip off YouTube because it does not exist. They didn't... Yeah. They never released it. It's not even on the soundtrack of the film. That's a nice little uh, teaser for people, yeah. right? Keep listening, everybody. <laughs> to hear that song. See if Ben... And let us know on social media if you think Ben was right and that it is a banger of a track. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we get to talk about Brian Yusner and uh, share our conversation with him and what... What a conversation is. Now, what we've done here, because our conversation with him actually went for an hour and a half. This was a, a big chat about all kinds of things. We thought for this show, we'd just keep it society focused. So you're going to hear some really cool stories about society. Uh, but then if you go to our social media pages uh, tomorrow night on Tuesday, uh, we're going to play the whole video of the entire full conversation, which is well worth sitting down for. But um. All right, Brian Yuzner. Like, I know what the one thing that comes to your mind when you hear Brian Yuzner is. We've already established that. It's the shunting. What's the What's the second thing that comes to your mind when you think of Brian Yuzner? Well, funnily enough, it is... More shunting. More shunting. <laughs> it's the severed head going down on Barbara Crampton. Yes. Oh, what a what a moment. <laughs> it is like... It's one of those moments. Like, And that is... I think that is actually Brian Yuzner's greatest ability like in every one of his films there is a moment in it where you're like holy fuck i can't believe somebody did this yeah and it's fucking genius yes um one of the things that he mentions in our conversation now i honestly can't remember if it's in what you're about to hear or if it's on the video tomorrow night but he does talk about taboos and there's only a few taboos left in the world that you know are constant and they've been taboos then they're taboos now they'll always be taboos and one of them is incest right and if you watch his movies, we've had this conversation before, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in there. You know, it's funny, and I wanted to bring it up in the interview, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember I remember going into Video Flash in Ashburton. Yeah. And there was a film in the in the erotic thriller section, because Video Flash was that awesome. It had an erotic not just erotic films, not just thrillers, it had an erotic thriller section, mainly filled with 21st century VHS tapes. And it had one that was called The Ultimate Taboo with Ginger Lynn Allen, the famous porn star. <laughs> yeah. And I remember pulling it out and my friend Anthony was behind the counter at the time. And I said, The Ultimate Taboo, isn't that when you, you're you eating while you're taking a shit? Isn't that the ultimate taboo? <laughs> wow. Well, and I think it's a blowjob while you're taking a shit. shit. Oh, no, that's a blumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Sorry, my bad. That's uh, the next Brian Usner film, by the, the way. <laughs> the Blumpkinator. Uh, <laughs> Like a shotgun through the back of her head. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was I was disappointed when, yeah, it was cannibalism and yeah. uh, incest. And I think were the ones he brought up, and I was like, and in my head, and I didn't say it was like, what about sh- what about eating when you're taking a shit? 
Like, surely that's got to be one. Like, I can't be the only person who thinks that, like, we're... the continuing <laughs> the cycle at the same time. Like, that's the ultimate taboo. I think we're going to have to get him back. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon about this? But this guy was a big deal in the 80s. Like, his work was some of the most influential horror films of that era, I think. You know, from Reanimator to um, From Beyond. Uh, Dolls, the dentist. He was behind Warlock as well. Like, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit Barbara for that. Barbara Crampton owes him her career bloody oath uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 3 which is you know, a massive departure from Part 1 and 2 Mindy Clark and as I said believe it or not um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids um, definitely watch our video tomorrow night because he goes into that and where that came from and all that kind of stuff but perhaps his most notorious film is Society and as we said this week the uh, Melbourne Horror Film Society are screening it so here's our conversation with Brian I hope you enjoy it um, and we'll, we'll catch you on the other side Good Movie Monday is made possible with help from Kaiju Beer. Unashamedly intense Australian craft beer. Brian, welcome to Good Movie Monday. I think I can speak on behalf of Ben as well. It's a real pleasure to have you, mate. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Your your work has been quite integral to like me personally, my my whole film journey and the things I do with you know film circles uh, from those Empire days through to Fantastic Factory. We reference your work a lot, so yeah, it does certainly mean a lot to me. Um, I've got a a question for you to begin with that I'm sure you probably get a lot, but um, I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with society. A lot of horror fans um, associate the name Brian Yuzner with shunting. <laughs> How does that legacy sit with you? I love it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I grew up as a horror fan, horror movie fan, and not just horror, but um, the weird, surrealism, weird stuff, expressionism. And I don't really, I don't have a lot, I don't really see a lot of, I see it all on a continuum you know, and, um, and so for me, with society, the, um, as you probably know, the original script already had the paranoia, already had kind of the story, but it was a blood call. And as a kind of a fan of the weird, I thought, if I'm going to get a chance to direct a movie, by God, it's going to have something something in it that's weird that I haven't seen before. And so by coming up with the shunting with Screaming Mad George, and of course, um, the writers of the script, Woody Keith, now his name is now Zeth Daniels, and um, Rick Fry, um, it, it was basically based on a on a, an image that I had of bodies melding together. So I, I just thought, wow, I'd like to see that on screen. And then I, then I kind of back engineered it to make the movie support it. The, and I think that's how a lot of, uh, I think a, a lot of narratives work that way. You kind of have some idea of what you would like to see, and then you find a way to make it happen. For example, on Bride of Reanimator, the one th through all the versions of Bride of the Reanimator sequel that I that I um, worked on, there was one character that always remained, and I'm not talking about Herbert Weston Nan Kate. It was the finger eye creature, 
I just had this idea that I just wanted to see that. But then you have to find a story that will make it happen, if you follow me. Yeah. So that was kind of the way the shunting came about. I think the, the term shunting came from Woody Keith. And, and, and I should say this, the script of society was a script that already existed. It was a spec script that the writers gave to me. And I just happened to be in a position to make a movie. And the... Um, and, and so, but that script was really informed. Woody Keith was Bill Whitney. It's like, a, it's like an autobiography. Sounds crazy, <laughs> of course. But, you know, in, in, in creative narrative, that is what happens. You always use something of your own in it. And so that's, that's what happened here. The shunting ended up being just because I like weird stuff. And I also thought, I also wanted to, I, was, I also thought it might be fun being a child of the 60s. I was involved in all the anti-war stuff and all that stuff in the 60s when politics was fun, right? Yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, this is a great way to make a new monster. As a horror fan, you know, we're always stuck with the same you know, the wolf man, the vampire, the zombie, the werewolf, you know, um, Frankenstein. And so I thought, wow, you don't get that much chance to try to make a new monster, a new kind of horror villain. And I thought, wow, to do it with a whole class of people. Because I love, I just love that scene, you know, I, I just love what happens. In <laughs> so do yeah. we. We well, talk about say, it all the time. Every every sexual encounter I've ever had, I've referred to as the shunting. <laughs> I just that's 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 how I talk about it. And <laughs> I mean, like, but that, like, I've got the, the the VHS cover here, like that that image there. I don't know if you can see of the the face in the butt, right? Yeah. The butt is possibly like it is the most iconic horror image that i've ever like had in my entire life like it is the and the shunting is the it is the shibboleth of any encounter you have with another horror fan it's like you know if you know you know and it always it always comes up like always well that stuff that stuff was a lot of fun to work with 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 screen mad george because as you know he is a he's a um he builds himself as a surrealistic special effects artist and now you know he's a he's japanese his birth name was joji tani and his and he went to new york when he was young and we're talking about the early 80s here when punk was still a thing in 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 the in new york at the cbgb's and can in max's kansas city you know the ramones and the Teenage Jesus and the Jerks. And well, George was in a band called The Mad. And The Mad was an art punk band, right? There's all kinds of punks. Mm -hmm. And so George was in The Mad. He was in an art punk band. He's a musician. 
And so he, and he really loved um, Screaming Jay Hawkins. You know, Screaming Jay Hawkins had this incredible act where he'd come out of a coffin to sing, right? <laughs> and so Joji Tani, you know, Asians often have to somehow make their names more Western because we don't quite have the same, you know, kind of um, building blocks of our language. And so Joji, of course, becomes George. And so he called him scream, his self screaming mad George. And so right. I, I, I think a lot of people don't under, don't realize that, that this is coming from a, from, from one, from a um, art background. George is an artist. Mm. So when he did punk music, he was a visual artist kind of doing punk music. And people like, and he's a huge Dali fan. So you see in his art, he does tons of surrealistic stuff. And surrealism, as you know, a lot of it is just free associative. Synesthesia and free associative um, kind of activity. I mean, Bob Dylan is free associative, but he's not a surrealist. But you just kind of like, like me saying, I want to see the bodies melt together. Yeah. yeah. So let's do that and see what happens. Well, George um, does bodies melting together. He does feet with faces, you know. <laughs> he's, he's never, he never really hit it big in LA special effects as a special effects company because he's too original. And the companies that do really well are companies that are more mainstream, that, that it isn't so personal. With George, you would never want, you would never hire Mad George to, to do like just a head getting cut off or somebody being yeah. just loud. You can get you can get guys who work for K and B to do that, and they'll put their heart and soul into it. Yep. But for George, you got to give him something weird. <laughs> so, you know? so you've got this concept, right? It's like the most disgusting, repulsive yet deliciously crazy thing on earth. How do you convince all of these middle-aged elderly actors to participate in it? Well, that that was a big. That was a um, that was a great revelation to me. <laughs> I mean, it was it didn't come all at once, but when I started getting into movies, and you and you have to understand, I never even thought about getting into movies until I was in my thirties, right? I wasn't. I was a hippie. I was a you know. I had little businesses. I, I even painted paintings. It it. I never thought that was an option like people do today. When I was growing up, the big dream was to be the great American novelist, to write a novel. Well, now it's to direct, right? To be a, yeah. be a, a the directors are great artists now, even if all they're making is a short film, they're just, you know, you're an artist. Although maybe I'm way behind the times that it's really video games or something that are. <laughs> I love. Murder, I was, you know, 
I was the, listening to the commentary on society where, and where you talk about how you just, you just turned up and you became a producer because you thought the producer was the person in charge. So that's, that's what I'll do. And well, then, because, well, I just, you know, somebody told me, I had no idea because I've never, I have, you know, I have no qualifications to be in the movie business at all. But I think that makes me relatable to, right? Because most of us don't know. I know people, I have friends who from the time they're in high school, they just want to make movies, you know. Well, I was as big a, a movie fan as anybody growing up. I tended to like horror. That was my, my, my um, top genre, but I loved all movies. But nobody, there was nothing out there that made you think that it was a viable kind of business. Mm. Parents weren't into it. I didn't live in, in LA. Now you can live anywhere. There was no YouTube. There were no tutorials. You know, there was no way for you to know anything if you didn't get a book. And you know, books are always five years behind the times at least. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have any, any notion of that. But when I did get the feeling that I, you know, when I did have some experiences that made me think, let me try this. Well, I still didn't have any qualifications. Mm. You know, by then, you know, by then I was in my thirties, I was married, you know, but somebody told me that a producer was the boss and he made the most money. And I thought, <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, I've always wanted to be the boss and I always want to make the most money. <laughs> now, I didn't understand that the director got all the credit. <laughs> right? So you make, if you produce a movie, it turns out everybody runs over to, to lift the director on their shoulders. And so then, of course, I had to direct. Now, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that that egotistical about it mm. there is a there is something about when you're on a set on a movie set i bet half the people on that set look at the director and say i could do that <laughs> because yeah. it seems like the choices are so arbitrary mm. what color should we paint the wall red <laughs> He said red. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it looks like from the outside, for, you know, in general. Of course, there's much more to it. And, yep. and, and they're, they're, they're definitely they're real um, um, technique and, and um, skills to directing. You can become, you can study to become a director of, of let's say audiovisual narratives, whatever they may be, and you can you can study it and you can learn it and you can practice it and you can be qualified. Well, I, I will tell you this about society. I'm right in the middle of reading the novelization. Oh right. wow! Yeah, and, and how's it's, that panning out? It's pretty disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> It's by, it's by one of the authors of the script, the main guy. 
Yeah. Uh, he was, his name was Woody Keith in the movie, in the credits, but now his, now he has changed his name to Seth Daniel. Hmm. And so he wrote the novelization, which should come out in the next few months. And um, he kind of filled in a bit of the mentality, the psychology. And it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, that kind of brings me back to, kind of um, brings me back to what I was saying about like it would play well in today's world, and the fact he's novelized it. You know, it's exciting. Yeah, well, I think I think society works better now than it did. Yeah, know? yeah, couldn't agree more. I was in the in the. Um, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. In the in the commentary on that on the Arrow Society disc, you were talking about how at the time that society came across your desk, you were working on was it The Men? I mean, yeah, The Men, and then Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, right. Oh, with Dan O'Bannon, that's right. Yeah, and it fell through, and you put all all your ideas and stuff that you had for that into society. Well, yes, it was The Men was about a woman who discovers that all men are aliens. <laughs> A great oh. idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's not not that's, hang on, not all men. All men. <laughs> if if you're a real man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now now the thing is that fits the conspiracy theories, which we discussed earlier, that conspiracy theories are all based on this idea, almost I think everyone, that there's this secret group that is running everything that we don't know about whether it's a you know whatever you know the Rothschilds or the whatever it is you know yeah. it's always about a secret group that you don't know anything about and it is pervasive in the whole world so the man was an idea that Dan O'Bannon had and I worked with him for like nine months on and it was about a woman who discovers that all men are aliens. And it's fantastic because it's got that satirical. I mean, already it's satirical, right? It's ironic. Yeah. And it, I don't, I'm not sure it works very well now. It would have worked great in 1989. No, I think it's perfect now with I the Me Too movement. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure because, see, I think we've, we've made sexuality. I mean, the modern idea of sexuality is more of a continuum. It's yeah. not a uh, it's not a dialectic, it, you know. It's not two poles. Yes. Yeah. Not, you know, and, and so it kind of takes the fun out of you know. It kind of confuses it. But sure. that when I did get financing, Dan backed out, and I and so I was stuck. And I thought, man, I just spent almost a year with this paranoid kind of idea of this secret world. And when I got the script of society, immediately I was back there. I thought, well, this is this is that, except it's a teenage hijinks movie. Yeah. Right? The society is is constructed as a as a high school romp. You know, one of the one of the 80s, you know, there were these 80s high school movies where you got the girlfriend and you, you know there's some sex yes. involved and you know the bad the guy that you're competing with it was a high school movie yeah comedy and then but it was like wow there's something dark underneath there's some and of course 
from my sensibility, and I was, and was the idea of making it more surreal, more expressionistic. So things were a little more, you know, everything was more extreme. And of course, with with Screaming Mad George, we had all those images. Well, mate, thank you so much for giving us so much material to talk about on the show because shunting is a it's a it's a common occurrence on our show, hey, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> let's go to the shunt, oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> Shunters in the night. <laughs> this is Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And we're going to talk about one of our, oh man, we'd really like to get this guy as a guest. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But Brian Usna. Now, gentlemen, Brian Usna has given me so much. Any just happy, crazy, batshit memories. Can mm-hmm. I give you one of them? I mean, we could talk about Reanimator. I know Chad's going to talk about a couple of his favorites. We talk about Necronomicon, just the Lovecraft stuff. But that scene in the credits at the end of Beyond Reanimator with the penis and the rat fighting. Yep. I mean, have you seen Citizen Kane? No. What's that? It's about a sled. It's shit compared to that scene. It's just about a sled, Chad. There's, there, there is a, there is a damn a, sled, and it does not have a penis and a rat fighting it out at the end. Credit. I say there is a depressing amount, a depressing lack of genital fighting in in Citizen Kane. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Chad, you want to talk about yours? Now I'll come back talk about something in a second. Yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about. Um, a movie so there's two things in horror films that i absolutely have a hard time watching damage to the eye and anything to do with teeth and yuzna gave me nothing but non-stop teeth torture with the he dentist gave you nothing and the dentist too which for some reason i put myself through because i enjoyed them but every single time i was wincing and turning my head away from the film because i just had a hard time watching it so, uh, yeah, Cor- and I'm a huge fan of Corbin Burtson as well. Another reason why I watched it, why I watched it. Uh, but yeah, The Dentist is by far one of the most terrifying films I've ever seen just because of the teeth uh, and element of it. And it's a good film to watch as well. And actually, so. I want to give him a shout out because we always think of Brian for these horror films, but he and Stuart wrote a screenplay, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, yeah, that's what I was going to say was... Go ahead, James. I mean... If, if you're talking about the probably most memorable for most people outside of a certain film involving ghost hunting um, movie that Rick Moranis is in, he was one of the story authors for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Right. And, and so, I mean, that movie, if you are of a certain age, you have a feeling about ants because of that movie. I introduced it to my kid last summer and he enjoyed it. Uh, one last thing before we go. He gave me one of my favorite part threes of all time and introduced me this young man to an actress named Mindy or Melinda Clark, depending on what, and gave me a lifelong crush in Return of the Living Dead part three. I don't know about you gentlemen, but God bless him for my finding Melinda Clark. Yeah, (laughs) I I have that same sentiment as well. Yes, yes. Thank (laughs) you so much, bro. I can never thank you enough. This has been Bonehead. It's a gift that keeps on giving, really. Yeah, this has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. All right, mate. It's uh, your next recommendation. What have you got? Is it pizza related? (laughs) 
Not quite, not oh, quite. Okay. I did mention earlier in the show how Chloe does refer to me lovingly as Benjamin Boobs. Yep. And uh, far be it from me to fight that stereotype. By Chloe, you mean shit for pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, that, I, I need, I, I want to listen, I haven't listened to that video. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can't wait. But who who amongst us have hasn't shit there? Some of my favorite some of my favorite life experiences have involved me shitting myself. I tell you what, special treat for you. I mean, you're gonna shit yourself right now. No. <laughs> Take a listen. They actually do have awards yeah. for TikTok content you, creators. You and I are on TikTok. Um, how do we get in on that action? Don't know. Maybe I need more poo pants stories. <laughs> I was not going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. But now you need context. Well, we had gastro over the Easter weekend. <laughs> and um, What's your TikTok handle? Save you explaining it now. People can find you and, and hear all about it in oh, all, the gory, all the gory details. My TikTok handle. That's a really cool? good question. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll tell you exactly tell you what, what it is. No, I'll tell you what. People can find the Good Movie Monday TikTok and just click your name on the ones you're in. Oh, there you go. Do that. Yep. And you'll you'll hear a lovely story about how I shit my pants. <laughs> People are abandoning this video on TikTok now, and they're going over there. Wait, I hope so. I hope so. I I cried. I laughed. I cried some more. Um, I sent a Snapchat to my one of my best friends, um, explaining to her. And oh, it was so basically just. It wasn't a Snapchat, as in like. Of my poo pants? No, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of shame. Just enough not to do I was, that. Um, look, you know, I know you well enough to know that you know you're an open book. You like to uh-huh. you know, share stories, and I've seen sure. all of your TikToks. I was shocked. Really? <laughs> 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 to be fair, I did delay it a day, telling the story. I wanted to capture my raw emotion in the moment, yeah. but I just, I, I didn't feel like I could portray it but, properly. But so it, it is, uh, I highly recommend this video because <laughs> there are moments that you can kind of see the regret in telling the story, but then you've also got to remember that this is sort of a pre-record, you know, app. You don't have to actually publish this shit, right? Mm, but you, yep. you, you got to the end and, and you sat on it and you thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. There you go. There you go. That's amazing. I've actually got a better shitting myself uh, <laughs> sharding story, but I'll save that for TikTok. Okay, sure. We'll do it for um, TikTok. Okay, we've got a whole new um, show out of this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, fuck you, ASMR <laughs> slash mukbang. We're just going to take over the internet by shitting ourselves stories. All those ficophiliacs will be right into well, there's, it. There's the taboo that Brian's not talking about. Is the it's yeah. the mukbang shit yourself? Like yeah. it's a you combine the both and well, that's you know shit eating. Sailor. That's a major fucking taboo. Yeah, yeah, totally. Dogs do it. Yep. Divine does it. Divine does it. <laughs> she certainly does. Anyway, uh, big digression. But, <laughs> had to major. be had to be shared. I just <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to get at is that I'm super sleazy and I have chosen a super sleazy film to talk about uh, with a super sleazy secret society. Ooh. This film goes by the name Virgin Witch. I have not seen this, nor have you, I heard of it. It is. Uh, it was made in the shot in the it made in the seventies in the UK. Mm. It is a horror film. Yep. It was. Re, it's been released on Blu-ray by the uh, good folks at Redemption. Sure. 
redemption video. Good enough for a Blu-ray release. Good enough for a Blu-ray release. Like it is, it is an excellent film. It stars Anne and Vicky Michelle. Uh, Vicky is probably most well known to listeners as Yvette in Alo Alo, one of the uh, <laughs> one of Renee's sexy. Uh, what they maids? I can't remember what he actually does. He runs like a hotel or like a restaurant. It's hard to tell what it is that he runs now that I. It's a cafe. It's a cafe. Yeah. And she's one of the she's one of the waitresses and that he's also having an affair and with. And he, he um doesn't he like feed all the Nazis? Yeah. Yeah. It's in occupied France yeah. while helping the resistance. Yeah. What a show. It's a it's such a good show. Over in there. Uh it's very politically incorrect. By yeah. today's standards, it would not. And do you remember halfway through that show he had that massive accident and then came back with a dent in his head? Yeah. So weird. Yeah. So weird. Um digression. I'm it's one of the few of those shows that didn't have a spin off. Australian uh, series. Another digression. Just while we're talking about LOLO, I saw the other day, like I was looking at a list of failed sitcoms. There was a sitcom about Adolf Hitler living in New York. And it was like a, the honeymooners type of sitcom. And he walks through the door going, Eva, I'm home. Like, and it was like, Oh, Hitler, what's my deal? Like, I couldn't believe it. Apparently, it got canned after like four episodes because it was so offensive. I can't believe they made four episodes. Yeah. I mean, maybe they they'd already made the four by the first. No, the they would have had them in the can, and like yeah. I don't know how many aired, but I watched one episode. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they did make that uh, my favorite Bush TV series about That's George true. Bush and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could remember names. Something like I love Hitler, or you know, like you know, yeah. like an I love Lucy Pound. I mean, I'm sure to the Iraqis, George Bush <laughs> is Adolf Hitler. <laughs> That's my bush. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm derailing your, your recommendation. No, that's here. right. Uh, what goes around comes around, <laughs> uh, as they say. And I totally uh, <laughs> uh, railroaded your uh, dangerously close conversation, uh, which is amazing considering at the start of it, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what you were talking about. I thought you were just about. foreshadowing to what you're about to do to me. No, yeah, okay. no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but basically, Anne and Vicky Michelle are two play two sisters. They're sisters in real life. And... Just as a little side note, they have disavowed this film. Right. Uh, and I can't remember which one. One of them doesn't even, like on their website, they don't even, it's not listed in their yep. filmography. They do not talk about it. And the other one is like, just says, <laughs> and they talk about themselves in the third person on their website where Vicky does not uh, want to relive this experience. <laughs> they do not like it. Oh, come on. But, and it, look, it's obvious why. And yet... If that had been their career, they would have celebrated it because it is just so ridiculously awesome. Um, so basically, they play these two uh, two sisters who live in the country, and they run away from home from like their overbearing uh, straight laced parents, mm-hmm. and they run to London. Where and it's this movie is shot. It's the end of the sixties, the beginning of the seventies, uh, where they, they want to you know. They want to get to the the swinging sixty, the swinging London of the, yep. of the sixties, uh, where they, uh, when they get there, they immediately try and find work as models. Sure. And uh, of course, the first modeling agency they walk into, even though they've been warned about it by the taxi driver slash uh, passerby who kind of gives them a lift from the like helps them run away. Yeah. Uh, into Patricia Haynes' modeling agency, <laughs> and. Uh, she only one of them, sorry, Anne, Anne, um, Anne uh, gets this books the, immediately books this job. Like, like <laughs> Patricia Haynes just makes it like is the the sleaziest model booker you could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, like she is totally like pervy, 
she's all over she's super handsy she's all over Anne. she um she makes her strip down nude because you know nude modeling is uh is all the rage <laughs> yeah and uh, you know but uh, and you know turns around so she can't see but has mirrors everywhere and all sorts of like super like lascivious stuff <laughs> uh but she books her for this job um for this photo shoot in this country mansion yep and but what Vicky and Anne don't know is that uh, Patricia Hange is actually the high priestess of this witch's coven, <laughs> these white wizards. Yep. And um, she wants to indoctrinate Anne into the, into the circle because she's already been able to sense that Anne has some kind of psychic power. The story is it, well, pretty weak. It sounds like a cross between Suspiria and Neon Demon. 100%. Yeah. Except... <laughs> Not as full on as either of those okay. films. Um, so, but basically, yeah, she, you know, they go to the country mansion, but then Anne kind of um, uh, Anne's a bit more cluey than than uh, than either of them. Yeah. Than uh, than Patricia Haynes, and there's also there's also the guy who owns the mansion uh, is the high priest of this sure. thing. Um, she's a bit more cluey and kind of contrives a way to basically replace Patricia Haynes as the high priestess of this sect, while Divergenating her sister <laughs> in wow. a in an in an orgy. It is uh, it is an amazing film. The the girls, I think they spend more time out of their clothes than in their clothes. <laughs> uh, and it is it's just a hell of a lot of fun. And there is the weird scene, the song that I was talking about earlier. Mm. One of the guy, the guy who um, the kind of taxi driver guy who helps them uh, escape at the beginning of the film yeah. has a thing for the younger sister. Uh, he, actually, he's pretty sleazy. He'd, he'd go either one of them, but uh, the younger sister is the one who's most receptive. And um, so he tries to track them down when he hears that this sleazy model agent has taken them off to this place in the country. Mm-hmm. So he tries to track them down and he stops in at a pub where he's talking to like a contact of his about the place. And then this this woman, uh, uh, the woman that he's talking to, the contact gets up and just sings like she's the cabaret performer <laughs> of this at this pub. And it's an amazing song. It's very Get Cartery. Wow. Uh, Two uh, total obscurities you've brought to the show. I don't, uh, I don't like to go for the obvious <laughs> Well, uh, and for those that are playing at home, that, that TV show I was talking about was called Hail Honey, I'm Home. <laughs> Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewdorium. Viewdorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Ben. I thought today's theme would be a complete walk in the park, piece of cake. But the problem is we just did a Satanic Worship episode a couple of weeks ago, and there's a real fine line between, you know, secret societies and cults and devil worshipping. It was good because the two, the two movies that I chose... <laughs> movies that were well, at least one of them yeah. was one that I was thinking about doing for that show, and I was like, oh, no. "Ride with the devil." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all I could think of was, "Well, how do I solve this problem?" I'll just go for one of the two instant movies that come to my mind when I think of secret societies. So, um, well, there were three actually. One was dangerously close, but then I thought of Eyes Wide Shut, but that's too obvious, right? Like, no. It is. I think Keith, when he was on the show, used to talk about it every other body episode. <laughs> that pervert. Um, <laughs> but because in- that's what, like, what I love about Eyes Wide Shut is that the purpose of the secret society is just for old dudes to get laid. Yeah. 
Like it's because because nowadays you got to do it in secret. Well, yeah. Well, talk about a movie that's all Christmas. Yeah, that one is all Christmas. Um, but so, all right. Let me let me set the scene again. Uh, all right, I'm going to take you back to Heidelberg in Germany. <laughs> the year I was th- the year was 2000. I thought you were talking about Heidelberg in in, uh, <laughs> in, in the western suburbs, <laughs> eastern. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so year 2000. And uh, Franca Patenti had just come off the success of Run Lola Run, which was like that was like literally a runaway hit. Oh, so we're talking about. Uh, well, also at the same time, let's keep in mind that uh, the notorious Dr. Gunther Van Hagen's had been shocking the world with his grotesque Body Worlds exhibition, which was essentially real life cadavers that were you know autopsied on or you know dissected and, and for the whole world to see. And so you put those things together, and you come out with Anatomy. This. Uh, grotesque yes. thriller from Germany that um, is it's kind of has like I guess it's a, a slasher the way it's presented it does feel very much like a scream kind of you know almost teen slasher kind of movie um, but it's about a secret society of anti-hippocratic medical students that um, perform gruesome experiments on humans and I was really besotted with this film when it came out. Maybe it's because it was a foreign film and I was going through that phase where like hey I can tolerate foreign films look at me <laughs> <laughs> and What's what? What isn't there to love about a potentially like a German yeah. teen <laughs> horror film? Well, I think too, like these foreign films, like Nightwatch was another one. They were coming out and they were really cool. Like they were just really cool. They were tapping into that American Western st- style of horror. Yeah, you know, not being so foreign aside from the language. But I do remember when um when this one came out, it was released. I think initially on video or DVD only in the dubbed version which pissed me right off. So my first exposure to this was dubbed. Anyway, um, Franca Patenti plays a young woman who's you know, new at a university and quickly discovers that um, a secret society um, turns up at a university and is you know, stealing bodies and, and operating on them. And it's because she's on a train to university and the guy she was talking to ends up on her slab. Right. That's where she cottons on something's not right here because hang on, he was going the same place I was. How did he end up here? Yeah. Um, so once she cottons on, sort of, you know, mumbles ripple through the society and she starts to receive warning signs from them. Um, and then it just sort of spirals into this thriller where they're after her and she's got to escape. So it's a cat and mouse kind of thing. And that's where the American slasher sort of comes into play. But yeah, this movie just takes me back. It's nostalgic for me. Um, like I said, I even... If I'm not mistaken, some of the the theaters, the cinemas played it in dubbed. In dubbed, yeah. Yeah. Um. Then I think they may have also presented the foreign version. I, I just don't remember. But I don't remember. I remember it coming out on DVD because yeah. I worked at the video store at the time. Yep. But and it was like I think that and Princess and the Warrior were like the two kind of follow ups. Yeah. For Franca Patente, who yeah. would like. Blown the roof off with Run Lola Run. Yeah, yeah, and she—I mean, she's still got a decent career out of out of Run Lola Run. Um, but yeah, look, the movie is gross and it's depraved. It's super stylish. I I do think it's quite amazing. It was directed by a guy called Stefan uh, Rosalwitzki. Rosalwitzki, I think it is, and he did make the sequel Anatomy Two, which takes Electric it f- Boogaloo. <laughs> takes it from you know the Heidelberg uh, Med School into Berlin, and it's it's a city movie, you know. At a museum, I think. I thought you were like going to say Reservoir, but okay. Nah, but he, um, <laughs> he, he went on to acclaim. He made that movie, The Counterfeiters, which was like a highly regarded film several years ago. He made Cold Hell, Patient Zero, and a really cool... There's a lot I of medical this. stuff in there. 
a really cool post World War One serial killer thriller called Hinterland, which came out last year, which Ooh. I highly recommend. That's a fantastic one. But yeah, um, do you remember too? Like speaking of anatomy, uh, Gunther Van Hagen or Von Hagen. Do you remember this guy? Yeah, it was so controversial at the time, and yet controversial, but. The, the networks did not hesitate to put these things on television no, for you no, to no. watch. Yeah. He would do a live autopsy in front of an, an audience, a studio audience, but also for the world to see. Look, for all of the complaints that that you know organizations make about controversy, yeah. people want to see it. Yes, that's like, right. Sure, like they may get 10,000 complaints, but they'll get 2 million viewers. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's that old sketch from the DGM when they all the oldies ring up the ABC to complain. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just that... They've little... got a phone bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is 100% what the Christian the Christians do have a phone bank. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, did you ever get to see the Body Worlds exhibition? that They brought it to Melbourne and did it at, like, the exhibition centre. I didn't get to see it, but Dad bought the DVD. Yeah, I've got the DVD. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which it's a, it's a unique DVD. And I was always like, why? I, was, I couldn't figure out why Dad was interested in it. Well, the, the, the interesting thing, I think, about it, too, is that, I mean, yes, it's fascinating because he does dissect things, but what's really grotesque about it is that these corpses or cadavers have essentially been pickled. Like, they're like brine, yeah. so there's no blood. It's completely, like, bleached, right? So when he does open up a gut, goes through intestines and says, well, this is the so-and-so intestine, this is the heart, blah, 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 it's all preserved. Yeah. So it's not as it would be during a, an actual autopsy. Yeah. Um, and apparently he, people all over the world were flocking to donate their bodies, like to him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so they made a movie out of it, Anatomy, and it's about this secret society, and it's a ripper. I highly recommend it. I don't think it's that difficult to come by. Um, no, well, I mean, look, it is one of those kind of um, debatable things where you know a lot of medical breakthroughs have come at the hands of maniacs, <laughs> maniacs who have <laughs> yeah. been torturing people or yeah. experimenting on them, trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. So there is a there is an argument to be made. It may not be a great argument. Yeah. But an argument can be made. Oh, well, his argument is everyone consented to being dissected. Well, yeah, yeah, that guy, but in anatomy. <laughs> oh, in anatomy, you they mean, do. yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of comparisons to be made with flatliners. Yeah. Uh, you know, flatliners, it, it's not a secret society, but it's a secret pact and, you know. Yeah. Doing I mean, it is. What's How many people do you have to have for it to be a society? That's like, true. There's like six, isn't yeah. there six in flatliners? Yeah. I guess if, if, they, you, if they they have to wear robes. Yeah, if you so. have to, if you're not wearing robes, then you're not in a secret society. So if you think flatliners meet San Elmo's fire, you've got anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're pretty much uh, run to the end, mate. We are we are done. But some more secret society movies just to reel off. Recently, you know, one that is very close to us is One Br. Yes, which you know didn't uh, occur to me until I was sort of looking these up. Hostel is Hostel. is definitely the invitation. One. Fight Club is one of the most famous. Uh, the invitation, yes. Chainsaw Massacre three. There's yeah. a secret society in that, and in turn, Butcher Boys, which is the spin-off movie made from that. Da Vinci Code, Na- yeah. National Treasure. Um, well, all those movies about the Templars. Yeah. Indiana Jones, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. I mean, sorry, not Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, um, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yep. Um, Batman Begins. Yeah. No, that's up, up yeah, bloody mountain. <laughs> With Ray Jargul. Was the was the beach a secret society? It did come up on a list, but I have never seen the beach. Because I know it's a secret beach that only certain people know, but does that mean well, it's a I society? I thought they were like smugglers or something that were using the beach. Yeah, the Phantom a, is, a, is a secret society movie. It's been a long time. Um, and and Tenant was a secret society film because that was all about a guy trying to infiltrate. Anyway, yeah. you know, it, it's a, it is a rich sort of um, genre for pickings. I just... Uh, 
Yeah, I just I struggled with this one though because they they all seem too obvious to me. Well, a lot of the time, yeah. Look, trying to avoid ones that were to do with with Satan because that is like Race with the Devil that yeah. I talked about would yeah. have been is the perfect Secret yeah. Society film. Totally, totally. You know, and you know there was there was a lot like you know I, we, I joked earlier about the skulls, <laughs> but there was during that period of time in the in the was it late 90s, early 2000s, yep. there was quite a few of those kind of college. Mm-hmm. And at the moment on TV, there are a lot of shows about secret societies. Yeah, There's one called The Secret Society. The secret <laughs> Society, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, yeah. There they we live go. in the shadows, Beauty and the Beast style. I think we've done the pretty TV well. Series. I think we've done pretty well. Can you believe that we got to chat with Brian Yusner? Fucking oath. I know. That's quite amazing. Uh, you know, and if you haven't picked up on it, this guy's been a hero to us, or for me anyway, for, for many and many years. But um, there you go. So don't forget tomorrow night, catch the full video on YouTube um, or, you know, where else, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, next week, Melzy Beg is going to be back on the desk with us. Um, it's that, that monthly turnaround comes and goes really fast. Um, it, it, it alarms me at how fast it goes past. <laughs> and, you know, every... Every time it goes past, I find it's harder and harder for me to be able to stand up when getting out of bed or reach down and put my socks on <laughs> as I'm just getting older. As the epi- episodes fly by, your old Uncle Ben is just getting like it's my uh, my sleaziness is is moving from uh, <laughs> from sleaziness to comical <laughs> because no one takes it seriously anymore. <laughs> So make sure you do join us for next week's show. It's going to be fun. Uh, big thanks to the GMM players. We've got uh, Jarrett, Guillermo, Joe, Chad, and James. Big shout out to Chloe Shit for Pants. And um, she's going to be hosting Up Late With Me again this Wednesday night. Find that on the socials too. Uh, now we're going to end with a, a song that Ben chose. Uh, it's not the one he was talking about, but, you know, like I said, Easter egg right at the end. Yeah. Listen. Maybe. Uh, this one is Mississippi Delta by Bobby Gentry. What's this film uh, song from? You know, I told you at the time, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. It is in a cult movie soundtrack, uh, but I, I just can't. Like, I literally looked up cult movie soundtracks. And that song came up and I was like, it's a fucking belter of a song. Oh, God. Mississippi Delta from a secret society film. Um, Play along at home. Look it up, everyone. The best part of this song is that at the end of it, you know how to spell Mississippi. Well, and at the end of it, you get a bonus. And well, in this episode, you'll get a bonus. But (laughs) the main bonus is that if it ever comes up in your like grade four spelling bee, you will know how to spell Mississippi because it's M I double S I double S I double P I. You know, whenever I sit across the desk from you, I always get a bonus, mate.
Uh, it was from The Hunt. Of course it was. The greatest secret society movie <laughs> of liberal elites. That's a pretty good song. Uh, hunting poor rednecks. It's pretty. It's a. It's an amazing song. And this next song <laughs> is even more amazing. <laughs> it's. Uh, but nowhere near as popular. It is uh, to go your way. It's sung by Helen Dowling in the film Virgin Witch. This is a rarity. It is a rarity. You can only find. It's like. It's like um, the the song. Uh, it's getting harder in To Serve with Love. It's only in that movie. It's you. They, it's not on the To Serve with Love soundtrack. It doesn't have. You know, Wayne Fontana didn't release it separately. It's just it just exists in the film as part of the film. How's that for bonus content? That's right. It's that bonus. It's the bonus I promised you. <laughs> the bonus you deserve. I pay. 